Chapter Twenty Nine of the Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. So you're going to Steve's, Deirdre? It was Thad McNab who spoke. He stood on the doorstep in the sunshine, his yellow face thrust through the doorway, the pale eyes in it smiling. Deirdre was putting the last of her ribbons, handkerchiefs, and little personal belongings into a small canvas saddle bag. McNab's voice startled her. She glanced across at him. Yes, she said. The sight of his crooked figure there, in the doorway, with the sunlight playing across it, brought her a sense of uneasy wondering. Quite suddenly, the night before, Farrell had decided to go up to the hills with Connell in the morning. He had told Deirdre to follow them as soon as she had set the cottage in order and collected her clothes. She wanted to go with them, but there were a hundred and one things to keep her busy in the house. Dishes to scour, floors to sweep, covers and crockery to lock away in the cupboards. She had just quenched the fire. The ashes were smoking behind her under the water she had poured over them when McNab appeared. The township was well astir by this time. The schoolmaster had talked of going to Steve's for long enough. She did not expect any one to be surprised at it. He did not seem to expect that any one would be surprised either, though he had made up his mind rather suddenly the night before and had told her to ride out quietly and without chattering to any one in the morning. Yet McNab seemed surprised and annoyed. She wondered how he knew so soon that the schoolmaster had gone with Connell. It was very early. The sunshine was still of an untarnished brilliance. Mrs. Marianne's ducks and geese were making their first trip in wavering white and mottled lines to the shallow pools left by the tide beside the river. Deirdre could see them through the open doorway. "'Mighty sudden the schoolmaster made up his mind, eh, my blackbird?' Thad said, with what for him was geniality, though geniality on his voice had a sour sound. He shuffled into the room and stood near her. Deirdre folded a ribbon and packed it into her bag. She made a great appearance of being busy, going to and from the kitchen and the cupboards, wrapping up and putting into the bag all manner of things that she had not meant to take, in order that she might not be still to look at or talk to McNab. She did not want him to see how the sight of him had set her heart throbbing, a nervous little pulse fluttering in her throat. His nearness filled her with a sick fear, but she would not have had McNab guess it. She knew the shrewd sharpness of those pale shifty eyes of his. Her eyes met his clearly. There was not a flicker of the smooth white lids above them. "'Oh, no,' she said. "'He fixed to go today, some time ago.' "'Well, he might have said so,' replied McNab. There was something I wanted to talk to him about, something particular. Can I tell him what it is? His eyes fell before the clear innocence of her gaze. He moved uneasily. No, he said. I dare say I'll find time to go and see him up at Steve's one of these days. Tell him that. I'll come soon. He chuckled a moment. They tell me, he went on, eyeing her narrowly. They tell me he's taken that cup of Cameron's with him. He did not wait for her reply, but ran on, the malice that was never far from it, an undercurrent in his voice again. "'He's not very clever, your father, my dear, for all he's a schoolmaster, or he wouldn't have done that. Give him my respects, and say I hope the hills be for the good of his health. And you, I hope you'll be enjoying yourself up there, though it's no place to be burying the most beautiful woman in the South.' "'Well, I'll have to be going now,' Deirdre moved quickly. He had edged nearer and nearer her, until his breath touched her face as she pulled the strings of her bag together. "'Socks has been saddled this half-hour. 
Father'll be glad to see you any day at Steve's, I'm sure, Mr. McNab, she added, backing towards the door. McNab got between her and it. He put his hand on her arm. My, the pretty neck it is, he gurgled, his voice deep in his throat. But where's the gold chain Pat Glenn told me he had for you, from a devoted admirer, no less? A gold chain it was, with rubies and pearls on it, fit for a lady to wear. And there's more for you where it come from. The one that sent it would dress you up like the finest lady in the land, Pet said, if you would. Deirdre wrenched herself away from the clutching hands. They caught at her again. You must kiss me good-bye then, pretty, he whispered. She saw the flame in his eyes, the wry smile on his lips. The chestnut was standing saddled, his bridle over the post by the door. Deirdre leapt to his back, her bag in her hand. Thad followed her out of doors and stood watching her, rubbing his hands together. "'So shy, my blackbird, so shy!' he exclaimed, almost gleefully. "'Never mind, another day, perhaps.' Deirdre looked down at him, her eyes blazing. "'If father heard you talking like that, he'd thrash you within an inch of your life!' she cried passionately. McNab lost countenance. "'Eh, hey, would he?' he snarled. The fear of death and revenge, the dealing out to himself of what he had dealt so often to others, was the continual dogging terror that haunted him. Then he smiled again and chuckled. "'If I let him, eh, my pretty?' he said, gazing up at her. "'If I let him, I wouldn't advise you to—to to tell him. Create bad feeling between us. It'd be a pity, seeing. Me and your father's pretty good friends, and they say it's better to make a friend than an enemy of McNab. Besides, it was only my little bit of fun, Deirdre. Haven't I known you since you were so high?' Deirdre turned the chestnut to the road. "'Good-bye, my dear,' McNab called, "'and my respects to the schoolmaster, don't forget. "'Tell him I think it was mean to do me the trick of clearing out "'without letting me know, though, "'and me wanting to stand by him in any little bit of trouble that's coming to him. "'But I'll be coming up to see him soon, sooner than he thinks, perhaps.' "'There was a warning, a veiled threat in the words. "'As the chestnut flew out along the green roadsides, that mean voice, with its geniality and thin-edged malice, reverberated in Deirdre's ears. She looked back when she was some distance out on the flat road that wound over the plains to the hills, and saw McNab hobbling back towards the whitewashed, irregular and dilapidated huts of the weary township. Her eyes went out to the ranges with an eager sigh. She quickened the chestnut's pace again with a rub of her heels on his sleek side. End of chapter 29